Good morning. Today is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. Today is a milestone. This is number 1001 of the presentations I have shared with you over the last three years. In our daily morning 10 at 9, mining the riches of the Parsha each Thursday night, and other various Divrei Torah, Shiurim, classes, and discussions since April 2020. Today is 1001. I have profound gratitude for every single one of you who join either once in a while or regularly to study together and I have further gratitude to those of you who ask questions and respond with comments. I get so much support and encouragement and positive feedback from you, from those of you I know, and from people literally all over the world I am now meeting virtually. And I especially love challenging questions and pushback and disagreement as the greatest compliment to any teacher is that others are grappling with the material we discuss. I love and appreciate every question, comment, objection, and challenge I receive from you. Please keep it up and please continue to suggest, sup, top, to suggest topics to cover. So many of our great discussions have come from your ideas. Allow me to share something deeper and much more personal on this milestone occasion. While we were away, I attended a conference for rabbis. It was wonderful, stimulating. I learned so much, and I have so much to share with you over the next days and weeks and months. And I had just a bit of time to myself to think, to reflect. And I was able to see something in my life, a conscious shift that I had not been able to formulate before. And I want to start with a passage in the Talmud I was reminded of in one of the conference sessions that we had with Dr. Erica Brown, who I have quoted before. She is an amazing teacher and scholar. So this is the background to the passage in the Talmud. <clears throat> in the Torah, the book of Deuteronomy and Devarim, God predicts there will come a time when the Jews are settled in Israel and they will ask for a king to lead them. And God lays out in the Torah how this form of government will work. For about the first 400 years of the Jewish people in Israel, there was no structured government. Only shoftim, judges, who traveled around the land, adjudicating disputes and answering questions. After about 400 years, the people came to the prophet Samuel, Shmuel Hanavi, and said to him, as God had predicted, we want a king. 
Shmuel was directed by God to anoint Shaul HaMelech, King Saul, as the first king of the Jewish people. But after Shaul made a tragic mistake, which is the subject of the Haftorah we read in the synagogue last Shabbat, and it is a critical narrative that I hope to discuss with you one day in detail. But after that critical error, Shaul's reign ends, and he is killed in battle. Then, at God's command, Shmuel anoints David Amelech, King David, who initiates a long and glorious reign and begins the Davidic line of Jewish kings, which lasted for centuries and which will continue with the Messianic era we await today. Now, there's a deep divide between the character of Shaul and the character of David. On paper, Shaul had the perfect resume to be king. His aristocratic lineage was impeccable. He was tall and imposing. On the surface, Shaul was the perfect king. David, on the other hand, had questionable, apparently scandalous lineage. And through his life, he dealt with setbacks and mistakes and doubts. In no way on the surface was David king material. And yet, David was our greatest king, while Shaul's reign ended quickly in ignominy. With that background, let's see what the Talmud says. Passage in the Talmud, Yuma 22b. Amr Rabbi Huda Amr Shmuel. Rabbi Huda teaches in the name of Shmuel. Mipnei ma'lo nimshecha malchus beis Shaul. Why is it that the kingdom of Shaul, the reign of Shaul, was so short? It ended in such a short time on such a bad note. Mipnei shalohaya bashum dofi. Because Shaul had no imperfection. That sounds kind of strange. He failed as a king because he had no fault, no imperfection. Rabbi Yochanan teaches in the name of Rabbi Shimon, the only person that we should appoint as a leader is a person who is kupa shel tzrachim only a person who has kupa shel tzrachim. A kupa shel tzrachim means a basket of snakes hanging on his neck. It's a rather graphic image, and I got to tell you, I don't like snakes or lizards or creepy crawly things, and it, it, it's, it's, it's quite a vivid image. Only a person who has such creepy, crawly, ugly things hanging on their neck. We would use the idiom in English, 
a person who has skeletons in their closet. Why would you want to appoint someone that has secrets and faults and imperfections and not appoint the fellow who is perfect? Shem tazuk daito love omrim lo chazor lacharecha. If a person has a basket with creepy, crawly, ugly things on the back of their neck, when that person starts to make a mistake, you can say to that person, turn around and see what's right behind you. Fascinating passage. What in the world does it mean? Well, clearly the Talmud is telling us that because of Shaul's sterling resume, he thought that he was a natural to be king, and therefore he developed the arrogance that what he did determined it was right, even when that meant rationalizing, disobeying God's direct command. Shaul's approach to leadership was later expressed by the French king Louis XVI, who announced, L'état, c'est moi. The state is me. And that was later boiled down by Richard Nixon with his infamous line, when the president does it, that means it is not illegal. But Jewish leadership insists starting with God's command in the Torah, that even, I would say, especially a monarch, is subject to God's rules and to the rule of law. Shaul didn't understand this. And it cost him his kingdom and his life. But I say a deeper lesson in this Talmudic passage. If only Shaul had someone in his life who could point out in a way Shaul could hear it, this is not right, Shaul. You're making a mistake. You have a tendency towards arrogance you need to overcome. Listen to those who know better and who want to guide you. But Shaul did not have that and it caused his ruin. This is precisely the quality that David did have. He was constantly reminded of his questionable past and constantly, mercilessly criticized for his faults and shortcomings and mistakes. Now, David's mistakes were no less serious than Shaul's, arguably they were even worse. But David's response to them was completely different. He listened to those around him. He worked to improve himself. He openly expressed, mainly through his magnificent psalms, the book of Tehillim, his inner misgivings, his feelings of failure, and doubt. And by sharing them with us, he gave himself, and he gives us even today the inspiration 
to find the strength to overcome, to improve. We know so much of the darkness and uncertainty in David's life, and that is what causes us to venerate him so much. Ultimately, it is David, with his openness to his shortcomings and listening to the protestations of others around him, that lead to his greatness. And ultimately, it is the absence of that in Shaul's life that leads to his downfall. I don't mean to compare myself in any way to these two great heroes, but just to borrow from the typology of their personalities. I came to realize that early in my career, I was a Shaul type. It was important to me to be respected, to be right, to be taken seriously. And this applied in all areas of my life as a rabbi and in my personal life. And at a certain point, I decided consciously, I decided that was no longer who I wanted to be. I wanted to be a David type. I wanted to be open about my mistakes and what I learned from them. I wanted to be comfortable saying, I don't know. I wanted to be comfortable saying, I made a mistake. I'm not sure. I changed my mind. I wanted to more frequently use the words, perhaps, possibly, in my opinion. I wanted people around me to know I value their feedback and their questions and their criticisms. And I want to hear them so I can grow. I wanted to laugh at myself more. In April 2020, I took the opportunity to make this transition. When I started teaching every day on Zoom and uploading the videos and podcasts. Now, of course, the initial purpose was to stay connected while we were all at home to share from a Torah perspective how to navigate the medical issues of COVID as well as the spiritual and social consequences. I wanted to encourage, to inspire, to try to comfort. I wanted to create a virtual community. And with your help, it succeeded beyond my wildest dreams. And as COVID receded, I wanted to maintain the level of Torah learning in all its forms so we could grow together. And reaching 1,000 sessions 
and going strong, I think attests to the validity and vitality of this enterprise. Doing this, I must admit to you, saved me from having to find ways to spend my time when our synagogue closed, like all other synagogues closed. I never made sourdough bread or cleaned my garage or fixed my shower. All tasks I set for myself in March 2020. And I have never worked harder or longer hours in my life since COVID started, largely because of the learning you and I do together. I had the great privilege, and I am so deeply grateful to each of you for this, to turn a major part of my life into studying and teaching Torah every day. And Baruch Hashem, thank God, this is continuing. But the final, deepest layer of this is this was my opportunity to transform myself. In my learning and teaching to become the David-type person I had decided to become, it was and remains important to me to be open about my doubts, my mistakes, and my challenges, and using Torah as our guide together with you to look for solutions, or at least strategies for navigating them constructively. It is important for me to laugh at myself more. I saw something on Facebook that years ago I would have bristled at, but now captures how I see myself, how I want to see myself. Sometimes I shock myself with the smart stuff I say and do. Other times I tried to get out of my car with my seatbelt still on. That is who I am because that is who I want to be. And I am much happier with the new me I am becoming. Many of you have showered me with extravagant praise. And I assure you, I have a very healthy ego. And I appreciate every compliment more than you can imagine. I know what we are doing together is helping people, inspiring people, improving people. And this gives me the encouragement and the drive to continue to always look for ways to improve. And I am thrilled looking forward to the second thousand and more we will do together. A few of you have said to me, you saved me during COVID. My life is different with you in it every day. 
I appreciate that sentiment and I accept the compliment. But here's the real truth. Through this learning, which we have now done a thousand times so far and will, with God's help, continue, you saved me. And you have enabled me to become a different person, moving closer to the person I want to be. Thank you very much. I want to wish you all a wonderful day, and I look forward to seeing you soon in person.